guys, it's me, Emma's Thing, and this is my podcast, That's What He Said. With over 12 years of blogging, writing, posting, and sharing under my belt, I've somehow grown a small audience who, for whatever reason, seem to really like me. This podcast is just another extension of my blog and will offer unimportant life updates, reviews on movies, books, shows, daily musings about life, in-passing commentary on current events, and of course, a lot of stories of my past, present, and future. Just try it out and see how you like it. That's what he said. What the fuck is up? Welcome back to my podcast. Hey guys, it's me, Emma. Welcome back to That's What He Said. I am so pumped to record this episode today. It is going to be a recap of my bachelorette party that just happened last weekend, as well as a pretty full list of what I'm reading, watching, and listening to. And then we are going to end on definitely one and maybe two listener emails, depending on how much time we have. So let's get right into it. Last Thursday, we packed our bags and headed out to Mexico, specifically Isla de Mujeres, which is a small island that you actually fly into the Cancun main airport for. But to get to the island, you have to take a taxi to the ferry and then the ferry to the island and then another taxi to the house. We stayed at this incredible villa that is legitimately made for renting out with big parties. It's called Zinanya. And that is Z-Y-N-A-N-Y-A. Now, if you listen to Merritt Beck's podcast, the Beck and Call podcast, you've probably already heard her recap of the trip. And she gives so many details that I don't even know if I'm going to cover as many details as she did. And honestly, it's like kind of nice because she did some heavy lifting with all like the food details. So I'm going to focus more on like my POV of my bachelorette party weekend and tell you all of the little things from my point of view. So it was a very long travel day. I mean, the flight itself is not long, especially because we're in Dallas. So the flight is like maybe two to two and a half hours. But by the time we actually got to the villa, it was, I would say, probably around like two o'clock in the afternoon. And our flights were at 8.30 in the morning. So when we first got there, I pretty, I'm pretty sure everyone's mind was just completely blown. Like, I have never stayed in a setup like that before. And we went to this specific place because Whitney, one of my best friends who has had a episode on here that you should definitely listen to. That is episode 21 and is called If It Ain't Small If There's a Texas Roadhouse. Anyway, so Whitney had actually gone to Zenania with her husband and his family several years ago. And, um, you know, it was a family trip and she was just raving about the place. And I remember seeing pictures about it and it just looked like a freaking dream. So when the topic of where to go for my bachelorette party came up, she actually threw that out immediately. And I was immediately like, yep, done. Like, I don't even want to think about it any further than that. If it's available for when we want to go, let's do that. It sounds absolutely perfect. Because the other part of it is like, all of us are in our mid-30s. And then Zach's sister was there, who's in her early 40s. And 
it's just, you know, I wasn't ever going to do a typical bachelorette trip, meaning like to Nashville or Austin or somewhere where you had to create a lot of the entertainment that happened on the trip. I wanted to go somewhere exactly like Zenania that is, you know, a little more upscale because we all can afford it and it's pretty much plug and play. And that's exactly what it was. This house was so stunning. It can sleep so many freaking people. So there's a bedroom downstairs and then there's three bedrooms upstairs. So right there, that's two, four, six, eight people. And then there's a guest house that has two bedrooms as well. And that can sleep four people. So you're looking at 12 people already. But what's so amazing is that both the guest house and the main house have really big living areas and really big couches. So, you know, if you had to get scrappy with it for some reason, you definitely could very easily. So, you know, we got there, we were all freaking out, taking in the house, getting our content pictures, getting our video, just uh, basically not being able to understand how stunning everything was. I mean, this place was, it backed up right to the ocean and we had a private pool and, oh my God, it was just insane. And I will say that the most clutch thing about this trip and that I can't believe we almost didn't do for the entire time. Like, I think we were thinking of maybe only doing it for like a day or so was having a private chef chef on site. His name was Chef Luis and he was amazing. And having everything taken care of for us in terms of food and drink was a dream. I mean, it literally was an absolute fucking dream. And I think that's the thing about my bachelorette weekend is that while yes, it was supposed to be this party for me, it was a vacation for everyone who was on it. I think that's what made it so amazing and so special. It's like all of us work really hard. We're always stressed out about something or another. We're well into our lives and starting families and new careers and you name it. And so the fact that I was able to go there with these seven women and be doted on hand and foot, all of us were doted on hand and foot, was so incredible and so relaxing. And it wasn't about, you know, getting as incredibly drunk as you could and keeping the bride entertained and making her do crazy stuff and all of that shit that kind of tends to happen with younger age bachelorette parties. It was this luxurious vacation that we all got to experience at this amazing place on this amazing island in Mexico. And I really feel like that's why it was so incredibly special. And having Chef Louise was like the cherry on top of all of that. It's like, all of us cook for ourselves during the week and it gets really old or like we're cooking for our families and eating leftovers and having to meal plan and meal prep and being taken care of by someone like Chef Louise was a complete freaking dream. So anyway, sorry, I'm like totally getting ahead of myself. But basically, we got there on Thursday and we settled in and we like all immediately got in the pool And, oh, when we walked in, Chef Louise already had orange margaritas ready for us and um, this incredible 
spread of snacks. It was like cheeses and dips and not one but two different kinds of ceviche. I had so much ceviche over the weekend. It was incredible. And so we gorged on that because all of us were freaking starving and immediately got in the pool with our orange margaritas and Also, my friends immediately got out all of the fun bachelorette swag that they had made for me, including drink stirs with Cece and Bowie's faces on them, and then like big cutouts of Zach's face on sticks, and also my sister made like Zach face stickers and EZ stickers, and Merritt brought these amazing Buenas Noche Easy party cups and koozies and Oh, it was just so magical. It was just like every little detail was so incredible and made me feel so special. And you better fucking believe that I took home every single extra cup, koozie and drink stir that I possibly could because I want to use them until they run out. It was all just so amazing and thoughtful. So it actually started raining a few hours after we got in the pool, which was totally fine because you know, we got some of that first day pool time and all of us were so tired anyway. No one dressed up for dinner the first night and we had these really good chicken tacos and this flan cake made by Chef Louise for dessert and everyone went to bed like pretty early. I have a story about that though. So of course there has to be like one wrong thing with this incredible villa, right? And the one wrong thing was that um, our air conditioning, like Allie and I's air conditioning in the main bedroom was not working. Like when we first got there, we were like, okay, maybe it's just a glitch and like the air hasn't been on and the house is cooling down. We'll just see. And then by the time we were ready to go to bed, it was 83.4 degrees in our bedroom specifically. I don't know like how the house is, was is set up like that, but Everyone else is fine, but um, we were not. So thank goodness that we had booked the guest house. Um, Zach's sister actually had booked the guest house. That's where she was staying. And like I said, it had two bedrooms. So she was like, you guys just take the other bedroom in here for the night until they can get that fixed. It actually ended up um, being that the compressor was just like completely shot for our bedroom's air conditioning. So it became a whole thing. So we slept in the guest house for the first night and um, it was pretty horrible for me specifically. Like I was still getting rid of the last little bit of my COVID cough and the second guest room in the guest house, it just smelled very strongly of chemicals. Like I don't know what it was. My sister didn't seem to have a problem with it, but it just infected me affected me immediately upon entering but I still try to go to bed and um then I started having a coughing fit and it was so bad I can't even tell you the last time that I've had a coughing fit in my life like I literally could not catch a breath and was just choking on my own coughs and I kept trying to like stifle it but it was just getting worse so I felt really bad so I left the room and I was like well there's a massive, massive couch in the upstairs of this guest house. So I'm sure I can sleep on that. And I'm also sure that they have to have blankets laying around because it's a massive couch. There were no blankets. There were no blankets anywhere. And I looked and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? 
So I had to get scrappy and I found three extra bath towels in the bathroom and I literally fashioned some sort of blanket for myself on that couch and lay down and pass the fuck out. Like it didn't even matter how uncomfortable it was or just kind of how annoying it was for the first night. I was so tired from the travel that it worked out in terms of me being able to fall asleep really quickly. Um, and then the next morning, I, the the woman who owns the house immediately had someone out there fixing the compressor and after that, everything was amazing. So it was really just like water under the bridge, not a big deal. And that was the only kind of hiccup about the house. Friday was pool party day. We had all the drinks, all the shots, um, started out with an incredible freaking breakfast. We had poolside nachos in, at the exact perfect moment of our pool party day. It's like, I'm telling you, Chef Luis, he's probably seen enough of these parties come through that he kind of knows exactly when you need what. It was like our peak drunkness and we hadn't eaten since breakfast and he just like appears by the pool with this fucking platter of the most incredible nachos. Like, I'm pretty sure that they were that incredible. Uh, like I said, we were at like peak drunkness. So maybe that made them better than they were, but I don't think so. Like they were just the same pulled chicken from the night before, but dressed differently. And this black bean puree and all the nachos and fresh slices of jalapeno. Like I wish that there had been a hidden camera when those came out filming how quickly our group devoured them. Like, we were animals and we were like that the entire weekend like with every single meal that happened all of us ate so quickly no one left even like a lick of anything on their plates it was all just amazing it was so fun on Friday like you know we just really let loose we played never have I ever we sang along to throwback songs really loudly. There's definitely video footage of that. I don't know if it will ever surface. And it was just so fun. Like there was just so much laughter. There were tears. Like Zach's sister was saying some really sweet stuff that made all of us cry. And I was like, okay, just remember that and please say it um, during the rehearsal dinner. Thank you. Um, it was the best day. It was the perfect house party day. And we all cleaned up at night and made that like our fancy dress up night pretty much and had dinner under the stars in the Mayan ruins that were on the actual property. And it was magical like string lights these really cool woven light fixtures and the food I mean once again it was amazing there was like lobster and garlic butter I had so much of it there was a tomahawk steak there was the most amazingly presented and dressed salad with like an eggplant puree dressing there was whipped mashed potatoes that everyone was losing their minds over there was wine and then chef louise brought out the dessert for the evening which was a toasted coconut cake it was probably one of the prettiest things i've ever seen in my life the girls were losing their minds over this cake like oh my god and it was so so fucking delicious like he needs to be on a baking show i don't know which one but i feel like he would absolutely sweep the competition so after dinner, we were all incredibly full. That was definitely a theme of the weekend. It was like 
because we weren't leaving any scraps behind, everyone was uncomfortably full the whole weekend. And we decided to play this really fun game called Fishbowl. You may be familiar with it. You may not. It's not the first time that I've played it. And we had, a, we had a good time. There was definitely some friendly competition and some anger, and it was really funny. And when everyone went to bed, it was just me and my sister and my friends, Whitney, Kelly, and Getty. And we stayed up like probably, you know, like an hour after everyone went to bed and just started making up this musical. Like, I don't even know where it came from, you guys. It's just one of those things where you're having a ridiculous ridiculous girls weekend and coming up with the stupidest shit you possibly can but it was making us laugh really hard and we will always have that memory and we'll always have that inside joke so then Saturday was catamaran day which almost didn't happen just because of a couple of different things but I'm so thankful that it did because it was literally my favorite day of the trip like Really, you don't have to leave Zenania if you go. Like, there is no reason for you to leave the property if that's kind of the vibe that you're going for the entire time that you're there. But if you are into the ocean and you're into boats and riding on a boat in the ocean in Mexico sounds appealing to you, I cannot recommend doing this enough. So it was supposed to be a catamaran, but it ended up kind of being more like I don't know. We were calling it a yacht, but I don't know if it was a yacht per se. Like I'm not well versed in all of the different boat and sailing lingo. All I know is that it had cover and there were like two stories and there was a big, you know, you know, like a bed and, and kitchen and stuff downstairs set up. And it was just amazing. It was so amazing being on the boat with everyone. Once again, the the guys who were driving the boat and serving us were so accommodating and made sure we never didn't have a drink in our hands and they also served really delicious fresh guacamole and more ceviche and the water in Isla de Mujeres is I've never seen anything like it and I really could not get over it the entire time we were there but especially on Saturday when we were on the boat it's like I've just it looks like Gatorade like that is the color blue that it is and it just seems fake like is this really for real or am I being punked like are we on a movie set right now it was just so stunning and so clear and what was really fun is that the first stop that the boat made was at this shipwreck from 1988 there was like a category 5 hurricane in the area and the shipwreck has been there for that long and um, it's pretty shallow so we were able to snorkel which was a total surprise to me and the only other time that I've quote-unquote snorkeled was when I was going to Camp Longhorn and you know they taught us like scuba and snorkeling but they taught us in a man-made lake so there really wasn't anything to see or explore it was kind of just like getting the moves down for it so this is my first time legitimately putting on like a snorkel mask and breathing tube in a le- legitimate body of water. And it was so fucking cool. It was so magical. Like as soon as I dip my head into the ocean and no one can hear me, but literally like through my tube, I was like, wow, it was just so amazing It because it was so clear and you saw all these 
freaking schools of fish around the shipwreck. And there was like a barracuda or something that looked very similar to it. And uh, it was just awesome. It was such like a, maybe not once in a lifetime, because I, you know, like there's tons of opportunities to snorkel, but for that specific trip, definitely. I'm just so glad that we all did that. And um, the current was very, very intense. So it was a pretty in- insane workout. Like you had to kick the shit out of your legs. Like you, they made you wear flippers because of the current um, and really use those arms and put all, you know, your hard work at the gym to work, baby. So we did that. And I don't, I don't think we did snorkeling for too long. It was like maybe like 20 or 30 minutes because truly like it was very tiring because of the current. And we got back on the boat and just, you know, sailed. And then we ended up docking um, near like the shoreline of uh, this beach. And it was like a place for, you know, it was like a party cove for lack of a better term. There were tons of boats around who had docked as well. And a boat of middle-aged men who like right next to us who would not stop staring at us. It was very weird and uncomfortable. And they were playing the worst music like literally we are we are listening like Lizzo and Beyonce and next door they were blasting Eric Clapton tears in heaven um so that was weird and then on our other side there was a much more fun loving group of men and women who were going hard and one of them dove into the water while we were all floating there like we'd gotten off the boat and we had fastened our floaties to us in a way where we could like sit on them and drink beer and just be chilling by the boat in the ocean and this guy dives off of the boat and swims over to us and he's this bald guy and he's British and his teeth are real janky and his jaw is moving around a lot. And he basically, not basically, he literally was like, do you guys want a shot? Did you just want to come over and take one shot with us? It's my fiance's 30th birthday. And we were like, um, no, we're good. We have these beers. Thank you so much though. And he's like, really? You're not going to come over and take a shot? And he turned back to his boat and shouted, they're not going to come get a shot. It was really funny, but also um, very weird. And literally his jaw did not stop moving. So make of that what you will. And then once we were all boated out, we went back to the house and on the taxi ride back, we were all like, man, do we have to like get back and immediately shower and stuff? Or can we get in the pool? Like, I don't know who we're asking for, for permission. We're adult women. Like we can do whatever the fuck we want. That just shows kind of how drunk we were. But we get back to the house and like a fucking angel, Chef Luis is standing there with a tray of fresh watermelon margaritas, which are my absolute favorite kind of watermelon margarita. And they were phenomenal. And we were so excited. And immediately all went and jumped in the pool and definitely we were definitely much drunker than the day before but it was so fun it was like no one no one in my group of friends is a sloppy drunk not one person everyone's a happy drunk maybe they're sleepy drunk maybe they're a hilarious drunk maybe they are a you know, flash my boobs at you sort of drunk, but no one is aggressive or shitty or sad or anything like that. So 
we just had another few hours of singing songs really loudly and being really hyper and you know you can take your iPhone underwater up to 500 feet and so Amy Jackson and my sister were doing that with their phones and like trying to get good underwater video of like our whole group and all of them were epic fails and it just made us all laugh so freaking hard so anyway we eventually finally cleaned up went inside everyone showered and we came back downstairs for our last dinner of the trip which was a delicious white fish with like a verde sauce with capers on it and then this incredible cream corn I mean I guess it was kind of like a lotes in a way but it had serrano pepper so it gave it that amazing kick and then for dessert there was a pineapple upside down cake and I don't think I've ever had even one slice of a pineapple upside down cake before ever and I can honestly say now that I don't think I ever will again because nothing will ever beat this cake. I've never tasted something so incredibly moist and decadent and flavorful in my life. Like, holy shit. I really, I just have this gut feeling that if I try and go out in the world and find a pineapple upside down cake to buy, it's not going to come even kind of close to the one that we had at the villa in Mexico so and that's okay you know like at least I have that at least I have that experience after dinner we did a lingerie party which was so fun and I got some really awesome shit I got like the perfect mix of really cute comfy pajamas and some very sexy lingerie that I cannot wait to show you guys no I'm kidding I can't wait to show Zach Um, and then we did that cute game where you know, my friends sent a bunch of questions to Zach for him to answer and then asked me the same questions. And we saw if they matched up and all of that. And then it was time for bed. Sunday, we said our goodbyes, ate a really early breakfast. Like, I cannot tell you the last time that I've had breakfast before 7am. Like, I legitimately think it was when I was like a baby and taking a bottle. um, Because I just I don't I don't have a memory of ever eating breakfast that early but chef Luis made us these incredible chilequiles to send us away and my only complaint about them is that there was one egg instead of two Um, other than the egg it was legitimately a plate of tortilla chips with the most amazing spicy habanero sauce I'm not complaining even though I just said my one complaint but Overall, I'm not complaining because I will eat a fucking plated chips in the most incredible sauce and covered in cheese for breakfast any fucking day of the week. I just would have liked one more egg. That's all. It was another very long travel day, but the way that we had planned our flights got us home relatively early. So, you know, we were back by like 2, 2.30, which was great. But also, it's not like I did much with the rest of my Sunday because I was so fucking exhausted like oh my god we put on the new episode of of house of the dragon that night and I made the grave error of laying down on the couch to watch it and I made it about like 40 minutes into the episode and completely passed out and Zach said that I was out like he tried to wake me up but I looked so comfortable and I was not even kind of responsive 
So he just left me there to sleep with like a blanket over me. And I sort of startled awake at like 1130. And I was so confused for a second. You know that feeling when you like just get home from a trip and you're trying to get your bearings and you're like, wait, I'm still in the villa, right? I was just very confused, but got my shit together and put myself to bed. So that was my bachelorette party, you guys. It was just so amazing. I mean, I could go on and on about it, all like the little details and things that we talked about and this and that, but that's what made it so amazing. It's like all of those sacred memories that we all will share with each other now. And it was so amazing to see all of my friends, like everyone who was there got along seamlessly. And that was incredible. Like no drama, no awkwardness, none of that shit. It was just the perfect getaway. And I know, but I also hope that everyone who is there feels the exact same way. By the time this episode drops, I will have a blog post all about where we stayed, how you can book it, pictures, all of that stuff. So definitely be sure after you listen to this episode or before or during to go to emmasthing.com to get all the deets on Zenania in Isla de Mujeres, Mexico. All right, before we get into part two about what I've been watching, reading, and listening to lately, let's take a quick ad break for my only sponsor, Anchor. And we are back on the That's What He Said podcast with me, Emma's Thing. Okay, so very excited to report that I've actually been reading way more than I usually do. And this is all because of the flight home from my bachelorette party weekend. Everyone was so tired. And I had brought the book that I've been reading since June in an attempt to maybe get a few pages read, but I ended up reading the entire flight home. So like two hours of reading, I would say. And it really has whet my appetite once again for making time to read. That's my biggest thing is just making the fucking time. Like instead of choosing to veg out on a television show that I don't really give a shit about every single night, you have to make the choice to say, no, I'm going to keep all electronics off and read a goddamn book. So I've been reading the third book in the A Court of Thorns and Roses series since June. And the one that I'm reading is A Court of Wings and Ruin. And I, since I picked it back up on the flight home, I think I've read like 200 pages since Sunday. So that's awesome. And I'm loving it. I also finally cracked open this book that I got at the beginning of Zach and I's engagement called Emotionally Engaged, How to Survive the Quote-Unquote Happiest Time of Your Life. I got that just because I know myself and I knew that along the way, along the 13 months of being engaged, that I was bound to have some freakouts, to get stressed, to I don't even know what. I don't even know what the fuck I'm capable of, but clearly I do because that's why I bought this book. And it's from 2006, so it is like pretty dated. And the references that the author makes are, you know, it's just, it's old. It's older. But anyway, it's really good. I've read the first 50 pages so far, and that took me like no time. And it's only like a 200-page book. So probably going to finish it pretty soon. And I will be able to give you guys a full review on whether or not I feel like I should recommend it to newly engaged ladies out there. So stay tuned for that. And then I also finally ordered this book that I've been eyeing for years because I've had ROCD for years, literally ever since I started dating 
guys in high school I've had ROCD. And if you're not familiar with what that stands for, it's Relationship Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. And it's a disorder. It's not your typical run-of-the-mill, oh, I'm having doubts. I don't know. I don't know. It's so much more than that. It's like this horrific combination of intrusive thoughts and uh, just your mind constantly playing tricks on you and making you question everything. And I will say that with Zach, I've had the least amount of ROCD I've ever had, which is enough of a sign for me that I am absolutely making the right decisions in my life. But still, I mean, I think it's always good to continue learning about yourself, especially if you have some sort of disorder or disease or what have you, just so you can better understand like where the shit comes from and have the tools to be able to explain it to your partner and to combat it. And uh, this book is therapist recommended and it gets really amazing reviews. So, you know, I'm trying to not have three books going at once, but that is absolutely on my to be read list and hopefully very, very soon. As for what I'm listening to, I cannot stop listening to Beyonce's new album, Renaissance. I was like that with Lizzo's album in July, and this month it's been about Beyonce. And I will say, like, I didn't listen to Renaissance as soon as it dropped. I'm not like that with albums. Like, I get very, very overwhelmed when an album drops and you know you're expected to drop everything you're doing to listen to it in full like it has to be the right day I have to have the right kind of workflow going and be able to really pay attention and get into the music and I was finally able to do that with Beyonce's new album last week and it is fucking incredible I mean all of her shit is incredible but I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm not a music reviewer, so I don't know the terminology to use. All I know is that the entire album is a banger. And the way that every song transitions into the next one is magic. Like, I, you know, I'm all for skipping around with albums typically, but not when they are created like this one. Like, this album is meant to play through no skips don't touch anything and like honestly I feel like that I feel like that's how you should listen to it anytime you listen to it of course I know that's not going to happen because people are going to have favorite songs and want to put those on repeat I get that it's just like just this morning when I was working out I put it on and started literally at track one and just let it run through and I was trying not to dance really hard between my sets. I mean, the flow of it is just incredible. And I, you know, I think it could possibly be her best one yet. But honestly, Lemonade is very, very hard to beat because that was, that was epic. And then for what we're watching, honestly, we have not started anything new besides House of the Dragon. And I'm good with that because, like I said, I'm like, in this new reading mode and I don't want it to go away I want to like flex that muscle so I am great if that's the only show that we have going at this moment in time however I know that on Amazon Prime the Lord of the Rings series called the Rings of Power is premiering tomorrow September 1st and 
I only know this legitimately because of Peloton. And I do Maddie, I don't even know how to say his last name, Maddie's live walks. And he was talking this week about the Rings of Power and how supposedly it's the most expensive television series ever made, which is like, well, you got to watch it. Um, And he was also saying that he was like, I feel like people who are into Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, it's like Lord of the Rings goes hand in hand. Like it's probably a safe bet to assume that those people are also into Lord of the Rings and he would be right. So I'm very, very excited to start this new series. And just for like a quick synopsis, I'm going to read you the description that's on Amazon Prime about it. So beginning in a time of relative peace, we follow an ensemble cast of characters as they confront the reemergence of evil to Middle Earth. From the darkest depths of the Misty Mountains to the majestic forests of Linden to the breathtaking island kingdom of Numenor to the furthest reaches of the map, these kingdoms and characters characters will carve out legacies that live on long after they are gone. I mean, I love fantasy and magic and and creatures, so I am fucking pumped and um, you can definitely expect to be hearing my review on the Rings of Power shortly. Okay, so now we are heading into part three where I am answering some listener emails. And before we get into that, I just want to remind you that my inbox is always open. While this is not an advice podcast, that's not my main focus. I absolutely love engaging with you guys and I always want to be a source for you to come to if you need an unbiased opinion or you just have something that you want to run by me and for whatever reason you are interested in hearing what I specifically have to say about it. So if you have something going on in your life you need advice on or just like a comment or a question or it can be anything. Email me at twespodcast at gmail.com and I will answer whatever you need answered on a future podcast episode. Okay, so I have two two advice questions that I am going to answer. And this first one, I mean, the girl says it's a doozy, but you guys, it is a fucking doozy. And I literally replied to her and said, I wish you could see my face reading this. I shall be responding on this week's episode. So buckle in. Here is the first listener email. Emma, I've got a doozy for you. When I was in my very late 20s, I started grad school in my hometown. I was surprised to see a sort of familiar face in my first class. This arrogant private school, parentheses, no offense, football player I known in high school. I thought he was physically attractive, but his personality was initially very off-putting. We'll call him Kyle. To make a long story short, what started as study room flirtations turned into a full-blown love affair that is unfortunately ongoing. While I'm empathetic, compelled to serve my community, and love the outdoors, beers, friends, and activities, Kyle does not like socializing, the sunshine, or progressive politics. He is unapologetic, money-driven, and has made my blood boil on many occasions. I can't bring him around most of my friends because I fear he will offend them and he is fine with that. But girl, I've never felt such a strong connection with someone or had better sex. He's an ass, but Kyle is driven and stimulating and so unique. It's been about four and a half years since that first day of grad school, and he is bizarrely now one of my best friends and closest confidants. 
To add another layer of dysfunction, I'll add that after four plus years of sleeping together metaphorically, I have never met his parents or spent the night at his house. Yet he often talks about how we will raise our kids, what I'll be like as his children's mother, etc. We've gone on many breaks throughout the years where I have tried desperately to meet another man. I've always pictured myself with someone funny, friendly, active, and compassionate, but I can't seem to find a dude who I find as hot and interesting as Kyle. We're now in our mid-30s. Should I cut this the fuck off and try to find someone who is compatible with my lifestyle and serious about sharing a fun and fulfilling life? Or should I stay in this holding pattern because he might just be my one and only person? I'm a cute bitch with a great career, sense of humor, discipline, and drive, and I just never thought I would be in this position. I'm sorry if the story makes absolutely no sense. If you have any advice, I'll take it. Thank you. Bless you. Oh my God, girl. <laughs> like, I was smiling throughout that entire thing because it is a fucking doozy. I mean, it's wild. And I have so many different thoughts. And like, let me just say that everything is relative. And every something can look like one thing on paper and be a completely different other thing. I don't know you. I don't know this guy. All I know is what you've told me. I think there are a few ways to answer this. And I'm going to be really blunt because that's the only way I know how to be. So the fact that this has been going on for four plus years is fucking insane. Like the fact that you guys haven't done anything with the connection other than realize the connection and have sex and like be dating but like not be dating is a mind fuck. But if you've been cool with that and he's been cool with that, who is anyone to come in and tell you shit or get off the pot? But clearly you have reached a point in this situation, let's call it, not a relationship, a situationship where you kind of feel like maybe you're at a fork in the road. And I don't blame you for that at all. Now, in terms of his personality and what you thought you would end up with or be attracted to, opposites attract. I mean, that is a cliche for a reason. It's true. It's like, yeah, you can end up with someone who is the exact same as you. And that works out for hundreds and millions of people. But for hundreds of millions of other people, it doesn't. And that's boring to them. It's not a challenge for them. And it's just not interesting to them. And you said a few times that you haven't met someone as intriguing as Kyle is to you. And I assume that has a lot to do with the fact that he is the opposite of you in so many ways. He doesn't give a fuck. He openly talks about that he's money driven. He isn't into you know, small talk or petty socializing. And honestly, I'm going to need you to email me when you hear this and let me know if he's a Capricorn, because if he's not, I will be absolutely fucking shocked. But I digress. There is something about this guy, no matter how different he is than what you thought you'd end up with, no matter that you are, you know, apprehensive to bring around your friends, all of that. There's something that has kept you around for all of these years. And so I would say to you that if you're ready, like if you're ready to have pretty much the shit or get off the pot ultimatum talk, then now is the time. I don't know if you guys have ever, you know, flirted with the idea of actually making your situationship a relationship, but it sounds like you've reached that point 
and you want answers. You don't want to be in limbo anymore. And I get that. Being in limbo is absolutely the fucking worst place to be in this life, whether it's a relationship or a job or moving. Anytime that you are in the in-between in life, it's a lot of suffering and it's a lot of anxiety. But only you have the control to put an end to that for yourself. So I would just say, if you can really see yourself with Kyle, regardless of everything that you said, like forget about what anyone else thinks about him, okay? Like I know that's really fucking hard, but put that out of your mind because it doesn't matter what they think. It matters how you feel and how he treats you. If you can really see yourself with this guy, then it's high time that you have a sit down chat and say, listen, we've been doing this bullshit on and off for however many years and I'm kind of at the point where I want to settle down. We're in our mid-30s. So are we going to make this a for real thing? Or can we stop this nonsense and I can, you know, be cut loose and go out on my own to find someone who I want to be with and who wants to be with me? If marriage and a family and all of that is what you are looking for, you need to figure out if Kyle's going to provide that for you or if he's just cool with going along with how things have been and he's going to cut and run at the first mention of you saying, I don't want to do this anymore unless it's for real. I think we've all been in a situation like this, at least at one point in our dating history. I know that I've been like, there was one guy that I could not let go of for fucking years. And it wasn't as extreme, like opposites attract as this sounds, but like, he was a Capricorn and he was like really depressed and dark and smoked a lot of weed, but I just never felt a connection like that with anybody and oh my God, whatever. But that was like when I was in my very early 20s. And while it did take me like a very good handful of years to move past the situation, I finally did. And now I look back on it and I'm like, oh my God, what if I fucking ended up with that fucking loser? Not to say that's how you're going to feel about Kyle, but I'm just saying, like, you are in control of your own destiny in this situation. If if you can't stop thinking that maybe there's someone better suited for you out there that you would be proud to bring around your family and friends, then you need to fucking cut the cord and go do that. And it's going to be messy. I mean, how how can it not be messy when you have been doing this thing with someone for as long as you have like it's not going to be a clean break at first I'm sure you're going to start dating and be like oh no one's like Kyle and go back to him and sleep together again and it's going to be this like rom-com thing but you can also avoid all that by sitting him down and having the honest talk with him about what the fuck you guys are doing and that's my advice And if you don't keep us posted about this, I will be very upset. So I do expect a follow-up. I have to know how this saga ends. All right, moving on to question two. And I feel incredibly underqualified answering this. And I just feel also very honored that someone asked for my unbiased opinion. So I'm going to answer like I always do from the heart just based off the information that is given to me and my gut reaction. So this listener asked, Hi Emma, I really enjoy your Insta and blog and look forward to the podcast every week. I have an advice question that I love an unbiased opinion on. My boyfriend and I have been dating about a year and a half. Before dating, we were good friends slash coworkers. We are talking about moving in together in the near future. 
I have two kids, a teen and a tween, who live with me about 90% of the time. They spend about a month in the summer with their father, but do not see him during the school year. The three of us would probably move into my boyfriend's house about 40 minutes from where we live now. Due to a quirk of school districting, the kids would not change schools, but they would need to ride to and from school with my boyfriend on his commute. Obviously, us moving in will require my boyfriend to take on some level of kid responsibilities and involve him in some amount of decision making. The question for me is, how much of each should he be involved in? Does he get to weigh in on homework, consequences for misbehavior, discipline and house rules in general, chores? How much should he be responsible for? He would be driving them to and from school, but there are also extracurriculars. Should he take on any of that? What about groceries? If he's shopping, should he make sure to pick up stuff for them as well? It all feels very thorny and fraught. I'm curious where you would draw the lines on this. Okay, wow. Like I said, I don't have experience with this and I don't know anyone who has had experience with this. So I'm really answering from a place of total ignorance right now. But I would say that you absolutely need to have this conversation with your boyfriend before you guys move in and make sure that it's very clear what is expected of both of you from the other. Moving in together, especially when you have kids, is not a light thing. I mean, I I take moving in together at any point in your relationship as a very big fucking deal. And I talked about that actually in episode 17 called Men Can't Live With Them, But We Do. So if you want to hear more extensive thoughts about living with a guy for the first time or just moving in with your significant other, definitely listen to that podcast. But I would say that if I were in the situation, I would absolutely expect my boyfriend to have pretty much the exact same responsibilities as me. I would ensure that he understood that I wasn't taking moving in with my kids lightly and that this means that we're essentially a pseudo family now and we're going to work together as a unit because otherwise I feel like it would feel like you are guests or like you know renting from him and you're not allowed full range of the property and all of that and that could cause some really bad tension and resentment and awkward situations that you absolutely don't need to put yourself through or your kids through. Like I guess what I'm trying to say is you're not moving in to live separate lives. The whole point of moving in with someone is to create a life together and be under the same roof and find your rhythm and function as a couple and a team. So that absolutely applies to this situation. So yeah, like if I was in your shoes, I would expect him to help out with homework and, you know, help me get them in line if they're misbehaving and pick them up from friends' houses and their sports practice and all of that shit. I would honestly go as far to say that if he is unwilling to do those things or acting like that should not be something that you expect from him, I would question moving in with him. I, I wouldn't do it because that would say to me that we are so not on the same page about our relationship and the seriousness of the relationship and we clearly aren't wanting the same things. Like as far as I know, you're not moving in with him because 
you essentially need a place to stay and you're going to be treated as like a tenant, you're moving in because you're his girlfriend that he loves. And hopefully that means that he loves your kids and you guys want to take the next step in your relationship, which requires all hands on deck. So I would be damn well sure that that is the situation before I made any sort of big moves. I can only assume that as a single parent that bringing serious boyfriends and girlfriends into your kids' lives is very tricky. It can get murky. There's a lot of things to consider. So I think in a situation like this, you can't be sure enough and you can't talk about it enough to be sure that everyone is sure. Also, before you talk to him about it in depth, I would sit with yourself and ask yourself what you expect from him. So maybe you, you know, kind of have a game plan when you go to talk to him. You need to sit there and think about living with him, with your kids, and picturing yourself in different situations and understanding, you know, what you're going to feel great about and what you're going to feel not so great about. Like, are you going to be okay moving in with your boyfriend and he goes to the fucking grocery store to get like a carton of milk and that's it? even though the fridge and pantry need a restock. I mean, that's like a bigger thing. That's like a very thoughtless person and probably not like an awesome person to be with if they're going to pull something like that. So anyway, I know I've talked in circles a lot answering this question, but I hope that it was somewhat helpful. Again, it's just, it's hard because I've never been in a position like that. So I know that it's probably just anxiety invoking and kind of tricky but at the end of the day if you are meant to be with this guy then it it'll be easy breezy all right before I sign off for the week I just want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to leave star ratings on both Apple podcast and Spotify. I heard on Merit's podcast this week that I guess on Spotify you can now leave written reviews which is exciting. So if you feel it in your heart to write that that's what you said podcast, a review talking about why you listen and why you love it, that would be incredible. And as always, if you love a specific episode or you think you have someone in your life who would appreciate it, share it, please. Like that's the only way that this gets around, you know? Other than that, I love you guys. I thank you for listening. I thank you for your support. And be sure to check out emmasthing.com for my Mexico bachelorette party recap and all the details about where we stayed. And until then, have a fantastic week.